We are starting a new series tonight in the book of Galatians. We'll be in chapter 1. Galatians, the first chapter. In the first missionary journey of Paul, if you remember, Paul had gone through the area of Galatia, had hit the churches that were there, a lot of persecution had gone on, and he, um, after he got to the end of where they were going to go, he came back through and ministered to this area again, encouraging them and so forth. So he's actually been through these cities two times by the time he finished his first missionary journey. And apparently, while he was uh, on his way back to Antioch, some things happened. And he writes them a letter. And that's the uh, gist of this, uh, the timing of this letter is after he had been there. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and the God of the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So he's first off qualifying this by who he is, that he is not appointed by man, but that God put him in this position, and that all the brethren that are with him are behind him on this letter. To the churches of Galatia. This is not a church like to a city, like a Kalos would be. This was a, uh, a letter to a particular region. And so all the churches in the region were getting this letter. So Galatia, there's, there's not a city, it's a region. I had a map to pull that up there to you, but um, we didn't get that up there on the, on, the, on the board. So we'll try and maybe bring that up for next time. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So there's rather the gospel that he puts right in there. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself... For our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our uh, of our God and Father, to Him be glory, forever and ever. That's what the gospel is about. It's about us being set free because of what Jesus did. Too many religions are about what we do to get ourselves set free, to get ourselves qualified to get into heaven. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is about what Jesus did to set us free, and we just enjoy that. Only one. No other religion has it done this way, where it was done, by, done for us. All the other ones are through works. They're trying to get you to attain things, and we don't do that in the, in the gospel. So that's, uh, that's his introduction. And then he starts off here in verse 6, which is different from all his other epistles because usually he builds them up for a little while, telling them all the good things that they've been, he's been hearing, all the good things they've been doing. But um, not with the Galatians. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. The word there, marvel, means to wonder, admire, to be astonished or amazed. Of the 46 times it is used in the New Testament, 33 are in the Gospels. It is usually used speaking of people's amazement at the miracles that Jesus did. They marveled at the things that Jesus did. This is the word that is usually used there. It is used even when they, Jesus calmed the sea and the disciples marveled at what Jesus did. Sometimes there is a fear element involved as it was with the, uh, the, the incident at the sea. Uh, the three uh, Gospels that accounted for it, one spoke, spoke of more of their amazement, one spoke more of their fear, and Luke spoke of both, their amazement and their fear. But this was the word that is being used in that particular case, 
Uh, twice Jesus, it was used for Jesus and speaking of his amazement. One time when he was amazed at the unbelief of those in Nazareth. And another time at his, at his amazement at the faith that was in the centurion. This is the word that is used. So we're not just talking about a, a word that means, oh, did that really happen? We're talking about shock and awe. That they are just astounded. Paul is astounded that they would do this. He, he, he heard the report. No, that couldn't be. What, did, did they, they really want to after that? No. Just amazed that they would do that. But how many times today do people do these kind of things? They go after things that are harder than what God says. There's a lot of religions that put a lot of hard things on people. I get amazed at how, how quickly the Muslim religion is growing. When they oppress so many people, they put so many laws on, on folks. Uh, it's, it's just amazing that that would grow at all. But people flock to it. And it's a harsh religion. It puts a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uh, rules and regulations on people. Women are abused under it. It's, but, it's, but it grows. And we wonder why. People are just drawn to these things naturally. Their flesh is because our flesh likes to do something in order to earn what we got. It's the same thing like if Christmas time. If you got a Christmas present from somebody you forgot to get a Christmas present for, your first thought is, how can I get something for them quick? <laughs> because we like to not just receive things, we like to give and receive. And with the gospel, we're receiving. And uh, that's uncomfortable. So when somebody else can come along and say, oh, it's a give and receive. Oh, that's better. For some reason, we seem to like that better. So he goes on and, and says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. The word there for different is the Greek word heteros. We get a lot of our words from that. And what it means is uh, two of a different kind it means that when it says another it doesn't mean two apples it means an apple and an orange they're not they may be a fruit but they're not the same fruit they're a different fruit when we look at the word heterosexual it is a, a male and a female they're different they're people but they're different so that's what it's using this for it's uh he goes on to, let's read this again I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of gospel to uh, in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. He is saying you have turned from the grace of Christ to a gospel that is different. It is not one of the same kind. It is different. If you have a bunch of apples, they're all apples, but each one is a little different. One might be a little bigger, smaller, one might be red, one might be green, but they're all apples. And that's the word that he, he uses here in just a little bit. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. When he says, um, let's pick it up in verse 7, which is not another. The word there for another is the Greek word alas. It usually means another of the same kind. So apples would be another of the same kind. Alas. And, there, and he says, I marvel that you've done this so soon. It didn't take long. It's not like it took years. Apparently, it, it took a, uh, what to Paul is a very short period of time that they had left this. 
So it's not another gospel. It's not another gospel of the same kind as a gospel of a different kind. We look at some of the denominations that are out there. You know, there's a Baptist denomination, there's a Presbyterian denomination, and, and now some of them have gotten away from the gospel. But for the most part, most of the denominations may worship God a little bit differently, may sing different songs, may have a different order of service, but and they may believe different aspects of the scripture. You know, some, some folks believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Some folks don't. Some believe in Jesus as the healer. But still, when you get down to the salvation part, most of them are all on the same page. That may not be true with all of them anymore. Some of them are kind of wandering from some things. But for the most part, they're, they're, they're different, but they're still in the same. You know, when we get up to heaven, we're going to have Baptists in heaven. We're going to have Presbyterians in heaven. We're going to have Methodists in heaven. We're going to have all kinds of folks in heaven because they're all Christians. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So the reason that they turned away, they just do it on their own. They did it because someone has come along and troubled them. And that's the way that most of it is for Christians. Someone comes along and pulls you out. Someone comes along and troubles you. Someone comes along and sows something on the inside of you. And we have to understand, no matter how strong we think we are in the Word of God, you can be turned. Because no one turns willingly. The reason that you turn is because you think you're going in the direction of light. And you're not. He says, uh, let's go over this uh, again, which is another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They trouble you and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. The word there for trouble, it comes from the Greek word that we've uh, seen many times in the, in the word of God, terasso. It's used in places like the dream. It's, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And so a lot of times what they do is they want to study a word. They look at how the writers of the Septuagint translated some of the words in the Hebrew. One of the words that they translated into this particular Greek word was the word that was used to the, 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 the dreams that the baker and the cupbearer had and that the dreams troubled them. And Joseph came and interpreted those dreams. That's the word that they used for that particular thing. Uh, Zechariah, when the angel Gabriel came, and told him about the news, he was kind of troubled at that whole thing. They're, they're old. That, I don't know if he was maybe before they were waiting for that news, but may not be something that he wanted right then. And he was a little uh, doubting about it. And um, we remember the story, the Christmas story, of how uh, his response and the things that the angel said to him. And Anyway, it uses that same word there that he was troubled. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after his death, and resurrection. When he appeared to them the first time in the room, it uses this word. They thought they saw a ghost. And it uses this word to describe their reaction to Jesus. It also speaks of the angel who stirred up the pool. It uses this word. They troubled the waters. What you see in this is that the troubling did not just happen. Troubling occurs because of someone something comes in and stirs it up. Generally, all these things are all about someone. Jesus comes in and does a creative miracle or a great healing miracle or the dead are raised and they marvel because of what was done. Jesus showed up after being uh, dead and buried and they marveled at what was done. The angel comes and disturbs the water. 
something was done. So what Paul is saying is that people have come along and troubled you. People have come along and they've messed in your life. They've troubled you. They've stirred up some things. Do you know some people just like to go around stirring up trouble? You know, they, they tell you information about other people and, you know, I have no reason to know this. Why are they telling you? They want to stir up trouble. They want to turn you against them. They want to turn you against uh, the company you work for. They want to turn you against the neighbor. Uh, they don't necessarily need you for anything. They just want to turn you. That's their, their goal. So he says here, but there are some who trouble you. There's just some. doesn't have to be a whole lot. Just has to be some. I sure want to make sure I'm never on the side of the some who trouble. Make sure you're on the side of those who undo the trouble. Paul's on the side who undoes the trouble. But there's other people who are on the side to stir it up. They trouble you and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. This speaks of a desire to take what is the gospel and to pervert it or actually change it. Their desire is to change the gospel. Can you believe that there's people out there who want to take the simple gospel of Jesus Christ and pervert it and change it? <laughs> yeah, we sure can. We see it all the time around here, don't we? It is the end times and the word of God told us that many people would rise up to deceive. And that's what they're out to, to try and do. So the word there for pervert, it's only used three times in the, in the, in the uh, New Testament. Three times. It means to turn about, transform, or change. To turn about, to transform, or to change. Basically, it means this. To turn one thing into another. To turn one thing into another. Here's the three times that it's used. The first time is in Acts 2.20, when it speaks of turning sunlight into darkness. Turning sunlight into darkness. The next time, the other time we see it is laughter to grief in James chapter 4 and verse 9. Laughter into grief. We're turning one thing into another. If you're laughing, you're not grieving. We're going to turn laughter into grief. Sunlight into darkness. And one gospel into another. That's what these folks are out there to do. They're out there to pervert or to change, to alter a thing so that it becomes something else. They do this intentionally. It's their goal. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of, of Christ. They want to. If people are around you who desire to pervert the gospel of Christ, how do you defend against it? Know the gospel. If you know the gospel, then they can't pervert it. So we have to make sure that we stay on the side of continually renewing ourselves on the gospel of Christ. How do we renew ourselves on the gospel of Christ? It's in the Word. We've got to keep going over the Word. We can't say, well, I read that, the Bible cover to cover. I don't have to read it again. No, you need to read it again. And after you get done reading it again, you need to read it again. And you need to study. And you need to keep hearing about it. So soon, Paul, how, how many of you all know, Paul's a good teacher. Paul's a good teacher. Paul went through here twice. Spent time there teaching them, going over the principles. We're going to look at it here later on. But he actually went through with the whole purpose of to strengthen these folks in the gospel. As when he came back the second time, he just wanted to come in there and to strengthen them on these things. We've got to make sure that we stay strong in this. Because just because you are good today doesn't mean you're going to stay that way tomorrow. People can turn you. 
The only way that they can is if you stay up on what the Word of God says. Stay with it. Don't, don't let it out of your sight. Whatever profession we are in, we have to continually learn about that profession. Otherwise, the profession gets out in a direction and we aren't there. Continuing education, they call it. Some, uh, some fields, it's required. I know uh, for nursing and things like that, it's requ- you have to continue to get ed- education credits to make sure that you stay up on all the new medical pre- procedures and things that you don't want to get behind. Well, stay up on what the gospel says because people come up with all kinds of creative ways to pervert it. I've heard people today. I mean, good, good name, people on TV, people on radio, names that people know, even names I've heard people in church mention. And they're perverting the gospel. They pervert the gospel. The one we've told you about recently is this ultra grace thing that's going around. And that people want to teach things of that, well, you don't have to repent anymore. You don't have to confess your sins anymore. Big, big name preachers who have big followings and big churches. Are, are, is that not a perversion? But the, the people that are going after this is amazing. There was a um, uh, a brother out in in uh, Tulsa. This is years ago. It was another one, but they had that perversion that went on the the gospel or the doctrine of inclusion. Have you ever heard that one? That everyone was included. That Jesus Christ died for all. Therefore, all are saved, and no one is going to hell. And they taught it. The, the pastor who took who had a church, had a good church. When we went down to Rama, the church was so much fun to go to. We usually hit uh, three church services on a Sunday before uh, the uh, two to three. If we get three in, we try and get three in. But we at least get two in in the morning, and then sometimes we try and get something else that was going on in the afternoon. But some we would take people down from church, and we would go there. And this is one of the churches we would go to. They had taken over the uh, church I had gone to, Grace Fellowship. They took over their old building. And they, they had it filled up, and uh, uh, Carmen used to go to this church. Remember him, the singer Carmen? He used to go to this church. And this pastor got into this doctrine of inclusion. Brother Hagen confronted him on it. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Pastor Bob Yanyan confronted him on it. Uh, I, I'd heard of about three or four other folks out there in Tulsa who also had large churches confronted this guy on it. And you cannot keep teaching this. You cannot keep going. And he did. He just kept going on it. Doctrine of inclusion. That Christ died for all. He wasn't the only one buying into it. There was a lot of other ones who bought into it. I know Carmen left the church. A lot of other folks left the church. I don't know what the status of the whole thing was after that. But um, but those kind of things happen anywhere. There was a church out in Tulsa. I did not ever go to this church. I didn't ever want to go to that. If I told you the name, you would know the name. But I knew I never wanted to be inside that church at all. And uh, the the uh, daughter of the guy who started the church started doing this thing with um, uh, blood and oil coming out of her hands or some kind of anointing with, with that kind of thing going on. I heard I didn't want to go to church before I heard that. I sure didn't want to go to the church after I heard that sort of stuff going on. But people flocked to it because they, they it's a perversion. It's a perversion. You, um, the gospel is going to be perverted. It was in Paul's day. It was in Jesus' time. It was in uh, John's day. 
that, which we use the, the last one to go we saw, uh, no matter what part of time that you have, the gospel has been perverted. It has been altered. Don't buy into it. Only way you can stop yourself from buying into it is know what the truth says. Know what the truth. Keep coming back to the Bible. What does the Bible teach? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible exhort me to do in that area? And you do those things. So there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. It is their desire. They're not mistaken about this. Brother uh, Rick Renner used to tell us, in order to be a deceiver, you must first be deceived. You've got to be deceived. But their desire is to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, haven't you heard of people who have got some kind of a gospel message from an angel from heaven? I knew of a pastor in this area. Got a vision from an angel. Went totally against the word of God. It was for a very traumatic situation in, the, in their uh, lives. It ministered peace, they thought, to them. But it was against the word of God. You can't, you can't, but even if we or an angel from heaven, Brother Keith Moore, I was listening to him one time, and he was talking about a brother who got this truth because an angel showed up and told it to him. And he was telling the truth, and he says, well, I can't be because this is what the Word of God says. Well, I don't know, I, but I know an angel came and told me this. It was an angel came and told me this. I saw it with my own eyes. And Brother Keith says, well, I can't deny what you saw. All I can tell you is, this is what the Word says. So you may have seen that, but that doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> Sometimes we think just because you saw something supernatural, that that's God. Does not mean that. We've seen times in the Word of God where people got fooled. But even if we, he says, even if I come back and I teach you something outside of the gospel of grace, don't listen. Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. There's no other gospel. This is it. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be accursed. Is he trying to get a point across? <laughs> he says it two times in the two succeeding verses. No one can come along and teach you another gospel. Now that's the same thing here. It doesn't matter who it is that comes along and teaches another gospel. If it's wrong, it's wrong. We, we can't do it. We can't buy into it. We've had that uh, before. We had, had a minister come on through here. We, we brought them in and brought them in one time and you know, we had good meetings with them. Brought them in a second time. and, and I mean, they were friends of mine. They, we didn't just know him. We, they were friends of mine. And they started doing things that were wrong. I'd sit my friends down and say, you cannot do that here. And the rest of the meetings were kind of subdued. For anyone who remembers way back then when we had those things, uh, they weren't quite as into them. And uh, we've never had them back since. Uh, I can't, you can't have those kind of things going on. That's, that's, that's a wrong thing that they had gotten into. Well, we can't do that. We had one brother who came on out here years ago. I think he came out at least, at least twice. Second time he came out, he started teaching some things. We weren't quite uh, it, was, it didn't jump off the page either. It was wrong. It wasn't teaching as a thing to alter your, your whole life around. But we did some meditating on that. And you know what? It's not right. It's not good. And uh, this brother got off on some things. I tried to correct him a, a little bit. You know, I'm not necessarily in a position of authority for him. 
He didn't receive any any of those things. As far as I know, he hasn't received anything that anybody has told him on it. But he certainly has got into this uh, ultra grace thing. And um, it's, it's wrong. You can't let personal um, friendship come in the way of the gospel. You can't do it. You've got to stay with what the Word of God says. Even if relatives, even if close friends buy into something wrong, doesn't mean you've got to you know, cut them off and not say anything more to them. Certainly try and help them out all you can. But um, it doesn't matter who. Paul says, I don't care if we come. I don't care if an angel comes. No matter who it is that comes, if they preach another gospel to you, do not accept it. Do not take it. Verse uh, 10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Well, let's go on here in verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. He's saying, I didn't get this from man. I didn't get this from people. This, is, this gospel did not come from anyone. No one taught it to me. Now look in verse 12 here. For I neither received it from man... Nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you've looked at Weiss, he has some interesting things on this, and I added one to it. But here, the, the three things that Paul says is, first off, there's the received. I neither received it from man, nor was taught it. What's the difference between receiving something from man and being taught it? Simply this. When you receive something, it's, in a, it's through a conversation. How many have ever been learned something by conversing with other people? Just having a conversation. Not a teaching, just a conversation. As you converse with other people, you begin to learn some things, right? That's what he's talking about. Received it just through conversation. Taught is instruction. Is when somebody gets up and actually teaches, instructing, so forth. Paul says, I didn't get it from that way. I didn't get it from... Uh, instruction. I threw another one in here, and that is discerned. Discerned. How many times have you taken the knowledge that you've got, meditated on it, thought about it, and began to piece things together? That's a discerned uh, learning that comes in. You're, you're taking the things that were given to you, and you're putting them together in a, in a different way. It's not necessarily the fourth one, but it's just something that you're coming up, up with. You're, you're, you're rationalizing this thing out. You're thinking this thing through. Here's the fourth one. Revealed. The act of the Holy Spirit uncovering truth incapable of being discovered by man's unaided reason. Now, I rank these things. I think the, uh, it's, we start out the lowest form of teaching, of instruction, of uh, learning, and we move our way on up. And each one, as you, as you move your way on up, you'll also notice that the submission increases. When you are receiving something in conversation, there's no submission, is there? You're just conversing. You're just talking. When you are discerning and having meditation, there's no real submission there. You're just talking to yourself, meditating on the things that you have. When you are taught something, there's a submission factor. You submit to the, the, to the teacher, to the professor that you have there as being higher in learning on that thing than you are. And when we receive something from the Holy Spirit, that's the greatest part of submission. Holy Spirit, I receive whatever it is you teach. Glory to God. Because I know you're perfect. Then instructors, not so much. But the Holy Spirit, absolutely. So there's a, a greater part of the submission that comes in as we get into those higher areas of learning. In verse 14, 
Uh, verse 13. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of Christ or church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation. He, he was learning. He was, he was going through this. As far as the people who came along, Paul knows who it is that brought them back into this law. It was the Jews. So what he's saying is, I taught you a way. I know this way. And if the way doesn't work, if it would have worked, I would have taught it to you. But it doesn't work. But when it pleased God, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. I immediately did not go out there and find people. Nor did I go out to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. I've seen this note before, but who was the first graduate of the school of Arabia? Moses. Moses graduated from that school. And, uh, and Paul went to it as well. <laughs> he went out to Arabia. He got the uh, revelation delivered to God. And then he returned again to Damascus. Remember how he returned? The story in the Acts talks about how he uh, was going around. He didn't go up to Jerusalem. Of course, he went to the city of Antioch. That's where he operated out of more. But I put this in your outline. Many Christians find a call, but never hear the call. They find a call, but they never hear a call. Look at verse 15 again. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Paul isn't just saying, I found this call. He's saying, God told it to me. And we saw the words in the book of Acts that, that God said, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And many other things beside this. That God called Paul into this. Now, when was it revealed? He says, in God's time. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me, or reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So we look at it was the calling was in God's time. I made this, this note in your outline. Paul missed it not in when he answered God's call. Because God called him when? In his time. There was the time for Paul to be called. Paul didn't miss it. In responding to that, that's when God called him. He didn't miss it then. He missed it in what he did before God called his name. Sometimes we only think that the missing we can do is to miss the call of God. Whereas the call of God came to Moses to be the deliverer. The call of God came to Paul to preach the message to the Gentiles. But the thing is, what did they do before the call? What did they do before it? You look at someone like Joseph, who had a call to be the, the leader. Before he actually was separated for that call, what did he do? He, he, he kept honing his, his skills. He kept being faithful to God. He, he didn't miss it before the call. What did Daniel do before his call? Same thing. He was, he was right in there doing what he should do. But then you got a Moses and then you got a Paul. And they didn't fare so well. They weren't doing quite as well before the call came as others. 
Paul didn't miss it when he received the call. He missed it in what he did before the call. I wonder how many Christians would do. Do they wait until the call of God comes and now I'll get serious? Or are they serious about God before that? Three things here in the application. First off, I guess I missed one here for you, huh? Life prepares us for God's call. Life prepares us for God's call. As we continue to live life, it prepares us for the call of God. We just live our live life one day at a time and stay faithful to God. And we are being prepared for the call of God. We see it in folks like Joseph. We see it in folks like Daniel, how well they were prepared for the things that were there. Make sure we do that as well. Three things in the application. First off, know the truth. These are not new things for you. These are things we all know. Know the truth. We've got to continually focus on knowing the truth. The truth can become dull to us. We've got to continue to hone in on it. Keep listening to the Word. Keep reading the Word. Keep studying the Word. Whatever it is that we can do, keep going over the Word. Don't ever think, I know it. I can just relax, because you don't. Just like a bodybuilder. They want to stay sharp. They have to continue week after week, day after day, lifting those weights, honing in those... If, if you stop, say, well, I got to the place that I wanted to be. If you stop, what happens? It kind of fades away. I heard it talked about furniture disease. When your chest falls into your drawers. What happens to folks who, uh, who build themselves up? They look real good. You've got to stay with it. You, you can't let it go. You've got to keep going on those, on those things. Know the truth. Keep learning the truth. Don't ever get out of the Word of God. If someone wants to pervert the truth, the first thing they have to do is get you out of the Word of God. They have to get you out of where you are hearing the Word of God all the time. And we saw this in a number of churches. Some churches completely stopped teaching the Word of God. I know one of the Catholic church had gone out and they actually told their people you can't understand the Word of God. So don't, this is years, many, many years ago. Many, many. I think they've gotten away from that now. But uh, for a while they would tell their folks you can't understand the Word of God. You, we have to teach you the Word of God and so we're going to do services in languages that you don't understand because you can't understand the Word of God. And so they didn't study the Word of God. They didn't go after the Word of God and the people who were in the church could tell them the Bible said anything at all. Then they didn't know any better. And so they were doing all sorts of stuff, and they didn't know. Indulgences, remember that's what uh, Martin Luther got all upset about? One of the things. And the people bought into it because they didn't know the Word of God. Then they weren't told to study it. They weren't told to read it. They were told you can't understand it. Know the truth. Churches today, how many churches have you, have you listened to? I do it all the time. I go out there and I just find, try and find podcasts. I'm looking for people who teach the Word. No Word. Didn't even open a Bible. I get so frustrated. Sometimes, you know, we'll find some new ones. And my wife's out there standing and we'll, we'll put it on so we both can hear it. And we get through 45 minutes, hour service. Didn't open the Bible. Didn't open the Not at one time. Talked about the Bible. Didn't open the Bible. Man, maybe it's just a bad day. Open up another one. No word. Not even opening the Bible. I don't like that. You're going to get into the, into teaching. The, open the Bible. Open, read the Bible. Tell me what the Bible says. I, already, I may already know it. Tell me it again. I look for people who, who do that. Got one guy I listen to. He does all sorts of things that aggravate me 
in the uh, in the teaching. Uses phrases, is sloppy in his pronunciations on things, and I just I tell you what, sometimes I just cringe. I can only I can only listen to about four or five of his a week. It wears me out. <laughs> but I, I keep listening to him because he gets into the word. At least he gets into the Word. He opens the Bible. He reads the Bible. He talks about what the Bible says. And so I put up with the other things that are, that are there because there's just so many people and they don't, they don't teach the Bible anymore. They don't preach the Word. First off, you've got to do is know the truth. You've got to keep knowing the truth. You have a knife in your house. That knife starts out sharp. You keep using it. What happens? It starts to get dull. What you got to do? You've got to sharpen it. You've got to stay sharp on the truth. Know the truth. Keep going over the truth because we wander from it. Start to wander from it. Don't let yourself do that. Second, be strengthened. Over in Acts chapter 14, verse 21, this is talking about Paul when he had made the decision after they, Paul and Barnabas finished the first missionary journey. That's going back. And so they just kind of went back through the cities on their way back to Antioch. It says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city, they made many disciples they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. These are the, the cities of Galatia. Strengthening the souls of the disciples and exhorting them. Look at what he says to exhort them. To continue in the faith, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So he comes through there, teaches them the gospel, and then goes back through there to strengthen them. And he says this to them. Continue in the faith. Right? Continue in the faith. Did they do it? No, they didn't. They went off and do another thing. He says, continue in the faith. Well, they didn't. Know the truth. Be strengthened. Keep being strengthened in that truth. Know the truth. Keep being strengthened in it. I can learn more about it. If somebody else comes along and teaches, well, all right, this is their teaching on this. I'm going to learn this again. I'm going to hear this again. Maybe I missed something. Maybe, I've, maybe I've fallen off of doing that thing the way that I should. I'm going to hear it again. Be strengthened in it and continue in it. Know the truth. Be strengthened and continue in it. Continue in the truth. Ah, I've been doing that for so long. So I've been doing the same thing. Is it the truth? Then do it. Keep doing what the Bible says. How the Bible tells us to treat other people. How the Bible tells us to think. How the Bible tells us to speak. How the Bible tells us to believe. How the Bible tells us to study. How the Bible tells us to minister. The Bible tells us all these kind of things. It tells us how to pray. How many people do you know who pray the way they want? Not the way the, the Word of God says. You hear them pray? What are you doing? I'm praying. There's no word in it. There's no scripture in it. They're, they're begging. They're pleading. There's no, you could spend an hour in scripture and not pray. Or an hour in prayer, not pray. You can do that. You can also spend five minutes and have a very effective prayer time. It has no, makes no difference how long you pray. It makes a difference how much faith is in it. How much of the Word is in it. Continue in the things that you have. The problem with Galatians is they didn't continue. They had no staying power. Paul taught them, came back through and taught them again, strengthened them, told them to continue, and they didn't last. What kind of soil does that sound like? They had no root, did they? They had no root. They didn't endure. They were not able to endure. But we can. No matter what is going on in this world, we can stay with it. We can go on. The book of Galatians is about folks who opted not to stay with grace 
and went after works. And he writes this letter to pull them back into the area of grace. The right kind of grace, not that ultra grace that's out there now. There always seems to be a pitfall on one side or the other. We've got to stay down the middle of the road. Don't get into this ultra grace. Ah, we don't need to repent of anything. And don't get into the work side. Stay down the middle of the road where God called us to be. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in your word that we can be strengthened in the truth, we can know the truth, and we can continue in the truth. Help it to never get old to us. But every day, Father, your mercies are new. We thank you for it. Thank you for what you have done in the area of grace for us. We may have deserved something else, but we receive something much better than what we deserve. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.